Do you want to develop and nurture the young mind of your child? Then Credo is the way. Mridula Sridhar, founder of Credo and Skola, shares her vision as to how to ensure every child gets a strong foundation early in life. As a business coach, I feel Mridula has done a lot to create a transformational, sustainable business. Listen on to know more. Hi, I'm Kamalini Roy, a growth acceleration coach for entrepreneurs. I'm on a mission to help thousands of entrepreneurs achieve their most ambitious goals, create massive wealth, but more importantly, live a life of fulfillment. Welcome to my successful entrepreneurs podcast. This podcast will bring to you many simple success stories, success tips from successful entrepreneurs. And here we will discuss ways to become successful, which you as an entrepreneur and as a leader can implement quite easily. And if this is what you would like to hear to make your business profitable through simple ways, then go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay tuned in for all the success talks given by successful entrepreneurs. And please do remember to bring your journal and pen to take down notes. I promise you, there will be lots and lots of notes to take. So here we go. Let's start. I'm extremely excited to introduce Mridula today at our chat show. She's an extremely inspiring woman, co-founder of Credo, as well as of Scola. And I'm sure all the mothers who have children from the age of one to six know about Scola and have bought educational toys from Scola. They are eco-friendly and they are extremely good for young children. She calls herself an entrepreneur by accident. She's an engineer with an MBA from IIM Calcutta. And she's a mother of two wonderful kids. I wonder how she manages running so many businesses. And her husband, mother and father, all involved in the business. And they've all stayed happily together as a family. And she emphasizes that in spite of her husband being in the business, they've stayed mm -hmm. happily married. We need to find out the success tips of this marriage, I think, more than the partnership of the business. So Mridula, please do share your story. I mean, you have, uh, you have so much to share. You've been so successful. How did you manage both family, being a mother, uh, as well as, uh, you know, running a home as a wife and having your husband in the business and be so successful? Yeah, sure. So uh, thanks so much for that intro, Kamalini. And uh, yeah, story of entrepreneurship uh, started way back 20 years ago in 2000. Uh, but I think uh, for me, the story actually started when my mother started the business. Uh, I have watched her grow as an entrepreneur. She started her career at the age of 40 plus when I was grown up and I was off to college and she had nothing to do. Uh, and I was in class 11 when she founded this company. And so I watched her absolutely grow from grassroots level uh, running a workshop in our garage with a part-time carpenter and a part-time painter 
and really rising through you know every difficulty uh, so she would go out on sales every morning make stuff in the evening take it out the next day on a two wheeler uh, i had my two wheeler in college so i was the delivery person to go and drop off things in school so my journey started very early watching her at work so it started really early for me and um, then i went on to do my uh, i finished my engineering i worked in wipro for two years i realized this is just not my thing and i moved on to do my mba at iim calcutta i finished my mba in 2000 and um, incidentally i got married to a senior of mine and came back and settled down in bangalore that's how i really began in 2000 when i joined her and uh, i joined her in june and by july 1st i had the first thing i did was move our workshop out to a formal factory so that was when we actually had our first formal workplace outside home till then for 7 years my mother was managing it in the house managing it beautifully and had managed to grow the business uh, i would say from a very 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 micro mini garage workshop to a uh, uh, enterprise that had already started employing 10 plus people so my journey started as a formal workplace in 2000 when i moved her out and my first job in my workspace was finding a factory so that's how it began looking for space looking for toilet boards saste mein kya mil raha hai and you know i can't i couldn't afford more than 5000 rupees rent that was the budget for the factory and i looked for a 5000 rupee uh, rent place found a nice enough gentleman who gave me a double the space at 8000 rupees bargained with him and moved into a factory space and that's how uh, it began for me Wow, Medula. Now tell me, what did you do to grow the business? So you took it up as a small enterprise with ten people, and we had an informal chat. And you said you have more than one hundred and fifty employees now, I think, right? Yeah. So what all did you do to grow the business? What are the steps that you took? Yeah, I think the first three years, as in any other job, I would have taken. I was still learning the ropes, uh, and I was still, um, you know, starting from absolutely scratch, not understanding the business or the industry. And there was nobody to teach. It it was a cell phone business. My mother had her own style of running the business. Uh, so it was sort of really left to me to figure what I wanted to do and how I wanted to grow. Thankfully for me, the market started expanding. There were a lot of schools that started believing in activity-based learning at that point, and there was a market. But it was up to me to go after it and say, no, you know, we want to do more markets. I don't want to do just India. We want to start exporting. By 2003, we'd actually moved into our second factory, so we were running two production units by 2003. So we'd grown really well in those three years, just in terms of market expansion. and uh, by 2004 uh, i think we had supplied to more than 10000 schools across the country the preschool chains were asking for material montessori schools across the world were asking for quality material and the one thing that uh, my mother has always driven into this business is very very high quality consciousness and montessori as a area is very highly uh, precise and very very finicky about quality so it it's just ingrained into us to make sure that we deliver good materials and uh, the first four years was product expansion uh, i had my first baby in 2004 that's when i made my husband take a sabbatical from his workspace he was in it consulting and i said please like bail me out for one year because i don't want to let go at this point just when i put in so much hard work into growing the business and so he stepped in for a year to um, till i would be back at work full time and he never went back so it was like he joined the business as well and of course with him came a whole lot of other changes 
expanding even more um bringing in technology to automate processes all of which i had not really stepped into in the past uh but from 2004 to 2010 it gave us ample opportunity to not just explore on the product side but slowly it helped me get give me time to move into early education research as well so while many schools were picking up materials the one thing that i commonly we were commonly seeing is people didn't know what to do with the materials they would buy it and keep it in the cupboard and then we slowly started trying to figure how to make activity based learning the dominant form of education for early years not just do it just for 10 minutes in a day because i have to do the right thing but actually use it as the dominant mode of education so between 2004 and 10 there was a lot of research talking to a lot of teachers understanding their problems why aren't they using materials why do you pick the materials that you're picking and so on so there was a lot of that and uh, between 2004 and 11 we expanded growth as well as we went into services so we slowly by 2012 is when i launched credo and we started credo as a solution for women entrepreneurs who want to set up their own preschool a lot of women entrepreneurs in that in the country that time to say i want to start a school looks like a good Place to be in. They were either homemakers who wanted to start a career, or there were so many women from the corporate side who want who had had enough of the corporate career and wanted to actually do something meaningful and run a good school. So we had a huge audience for this, and we realized that till then, if somebody wants to set up a preschool, they would just have to take up a franchise of a brand or so, and that was not very cost effective for most people, especially in small cities. so that's when we launched credo we said no we will empower women entrepreneurs to set up a preschool under their own brand name it will be supported by credo but it will be called whatever name they want to give it and we'll help them build the brand and um, yeah credo today has 1500 preschools across the country so we have empowered 1500 entrepreneurs mostly women to set up quality preschools in their city we have preschools in every part of india today uh, in badrinath for example the only preschool is a credo preschool we have them in arunachal and barmer in jammu and a lot of places and that was a extremely exciting part of our journey to see entrepreneurs partner with us and build their own business nadula you mentioned something but i hung on to it that you asked your husband to leave his job to support you in your work you know it's such a powerful statement because um i do believe uh, in our kind of indian family setup especially if you're a mother and you're a mother of two you it's very very difficult to make a business successful unless you have your husband's support and not only did you have your husband's support uh, you know in a way to help you uh, you know improve your business and scale your business but he actually left his job to try and support you for the year that you were managing your newborn and yeah. that speaks volumes about the relationship that you have with your husband one and yeah. secondly you're definitely a very good sales person because you sold your <laughs> idea to her, to your husband i did <laughs> and uh, i did i think uh, amazing uh, on your husband's part also i mean what a wonderful man to have given up his job which is every man's pride and what yeah. more could you ask for than two iim alumni people running a business what more could you ask for to make a business successful and since you did speak about uh, you know both of you are running the businesses 
and you said you're less than happily married. <laughs> I want to know what are the secrets of the partnership, the business partnership yeah. uh, that ensured that there was no squabbling in bed at night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, th I think uh, the first two years were really rough. We didn't have rules. And then it became crazy because everybody was doing everything. We all had good skill sets. I think my mother's a great salesperson. I love sales uh, money. Also, my husband comes from a sales background. Suddenly, we're all selling things and nobody's doing anything else. So it was, it was pretty chaotic uh, till we sort of decided to really uh, lay down the rules and uh, decide who will take care of what. So there was a lot of stepping on each other's toes initially. And yes, of course, it's it's very difficult when it's family because it's it's so much more baggage that you carry back home, and then you don't know how to handle it and so on. But I think uh, in in about six months, eight months time, we sort of figured we started having a very funnily. We found it very funny initially. We started making it a point to meet on Saturday mornings in office while we were just meeting each other at home all day. But this was specifically like a communication meeting where we would be free to voice what we don't know or what we would like to know. And uh, my mother, obviously, uh, she was getting older and she was, you know, having to take a backseat in some areas and she didn't like that. It was her business. So we started working out mechanics of having everybody involved and yet staying uh, communicated and saying, okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm just keeping you in the loop because a lot of time information is just assumed that it's fine. I'm doing it. So they're not going to have an objection because it's my mother after all. Uh, but it, it can be very, very challenging, but we worked that out. So we segregated our areas and I was clearly handling sales from the beginning. That was my core strength. Uh, my mother's always been a great uh, production unit person. So she continued to manage production and money continued to focus strategically to make sure we're all growing in the right directions. A lot of technology improvisations where we should be going next, the financial aspects. Um, just getting a lot of OEM orders, uh, a lot of money's work went into that in the initial times. We became a supplier for UNICEF. He went after a lot of tenders, the uh, Anganwadi project. So we got a lot of large projects because he was totally focused on that while I would manage the small sales. So it worked well, but it took time and uh, it took a lot of process to make sure all of us are aware of what the other person is doing. Mindula, I had three takeaways from what you said that after going through the initial chaos, there were three things you did. You ensured role clarity. So you all divided off what each of y'all would be doing as founders, co-founders, partners to ensure that y'all don't step on each other's shoes. But on, in spite of that, y'all still made sure that y'all were communicating the moves yeah. that y'all were making uh, the progress that y'all were making, y'all were communicating it to each other and not taking it for granted because of personal relationships that, you know, she won't mind what I'm doing because she's my immediate family or he's my immediate family. So you ensured communication. And the number three thing that y'all did is y'all put a system in place. Every Saturday, y'all would meet to ensure that the communication was in order. So yeah, there were absolutely. three things which y'all did straight away, which ensured that everybody was you know on the same platform and everybody was aligned so those were That's great right. takeaways and uh, since you did share with me mridula that you have a large team of 150 people and i remember in our conversation you said that some of the employees have been there since your mother started her business uh, you know 20 years back yeah. and uh, 
So I just wanted to ask you a few questions about your team and how did you manage that? Clearly role clarity is something you all believed in. So um, what is it that you did to retain these employees for so many years? And what is it that you all are doing now to ensure that employees are engaged they are committed to the company and all of you all are growing together. Uh, my mother's times, we uh, customers knew me as a child. So this is the way they would always, you know, see the organization. Nidala, come over, come and deliver these things because they've seen me literally grow up here. Uh, so there was a lot of things that had to change saying, no, listen, I'm outside somewhere. I can't come. So I'm going to send somebody to deliver the materials. Even that uh, for customers to accept, uh, it, it took a bit of time. Do something, even if it's wrong, learn from your mistakes and you will get there. It's not rocket science. Okay, so Mithula, tell me something. Schools closed down and uh, Montessori, it's been a year. One doesn't know whether it's going to be another six months because that's the last lot of children that are going to be going to school once everything opens up. So how have you braced yourself? Can you share a little bit about how your team has adapted to this, how you have adapted to this? Um, I mean, yes. agility is the number one skill of an yeah, entrepreneur. And is. this has been such a challenging time for people yeah. uh, in certain businesses, uh, especially travel and tourism. And now that I hear about what your business is, then certainly your business, because it's so dependent on, you know, actual activities, you need your schools to open up. Yeah. So if you could share a little so, bit. Yeah, um, I think it was a huge shock as much as to everybody else. March 16th, we suddenly like, okay, do teen din bando jaga, fir khul jaga. That was the thought initially. By April 1st, we had realized that's not going anywhere. So we had all locked the office, gone home, uh, working from home. Two of the teams are completely field teams. They're field sales and field delivery. So there's no concept of work from home for them. The content team and one part of the team could continue to work from home. So they continue to do what they're doing, but we had no customers left. Everybody's looking at us and asking us, we told a lot of our customers, okay, lock the school building and give it up because don't pay rent. We don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, till May 1st, we waited actually. We just waited without doing anything much, just thinking things through. It forced us to think about things. I've had zero time to think in the last eight years. I think it's just been like, come, come along and run the race kind of thing. So it um, gave us a lot of time to think. And uh, by June, um, by May end, we realized it's not going anywhere. And we were working with budget private schools for the last two years. That's what we've been doing, where we work with absolutely low income communities. These are all uh, communities which earn less than 15,000 a month, literally. And these schools had no money. They had no admissions. We were servicing 25,000 children last year and we had zero at the beginning of this year. And our business is cyclical. So we invest completely from July to January. You keep on investing, investing, put more salespeople, train your delivery team, hire more, stock up. We were stocked like crazy because this was going to be a very big year for us. And between March and July, we realized the entire year's revenue. And this year, March to July was wiped out. So it left us in a very, very tricky financial position. Uh, but more importantly, we didn't even know what to do. So by May end, we had uh, thought up of this with inputs from friends and just discussions with the team and so on. We thought up of taking activity-based learning home. Since the children can't come to school, we decided we'll take school home. So we created this toy box, which is filled with all our lab materials, but in miniature forms. 
uh, we completely had to design structure redo the whole thing in a matter of 2 months uh, we started working on it on june 1st by august 5th we were in the market with this very attractive toy box which is going very well priced at just about 3000 rupees and discounted heavily for the low income schools where they would take this whole box and say if the person pays fees they'll send the box home they'll send the books home after which we would help them with activity based learning at home online whoever had a mobile whoever didn't have a mobile we would use whatsapp whatever means at our disposal to send messages home to the parents so we had to adapt the entire field team which was used to go to every school every day to say no now you're going to sit at home and you're going to mentor somehow figure it out zoom and mentor the teacher so it was like a crazy roller coaster ride between june uh, 1st and august everybody got used to it somehow and slowly uh, by september everybody was set in on home learning solutions which is what we call it and um, by september we had started to hope schools will open so field sales team started moving out again but the rest of the teams were still working from home we had shut office we closed our space we cut costs uh, we had to cut down some stuff in factory we moved our factory 20 kilometers away to cut down rent so we went through all the transitions because there was no other way to survive and we we were either sinking or swimming that there was no way out um we got not much help financially internally from india but we've been working with a foundation from switzerland who've seen our work over the last 3 years in low income communities and they really like our work and they're very focused on early education so they bailed us out with a grant said i'll keep you afloat for 3 months but by then you better figure what you have to do so we figured we are doing we are hoping for the year ahead we're working towards it to with uh, we developed our primary our first and second standard curriculum this year so we are expanding and uh, yeah optimus has finally said i like what you're doing and they're coming in with an investment so they've liked what we've done over 6 months so yeah it was i think i'm a different person from where i was 6 months ago it's been a huge change mentally as well emotionally uh, to say okay you know we can take it we won't break down we won't collapse a lot of resilience and yeah it was despair may and june was despair to move from there to resilience it, it took us some time but we are there i think now we are like acha kuch bhi ho jaye we'll survive that that kind of attitude you got the grit after being successful through the pandemic and now you even have a commitment of an investment into your company wow yeah. i think that's a wonderful note to end our chat on midula thank you very much for sharing your journey and uh, i hope inspire it inspires a lot of women entrepreneurs and if there's any uh, woman professional out there who needs your help uh, to start a school i hope they are listening to this podcast and they reach out to you every entrepreneur and leader works extremely hard to try and achieve his or her dreams often in the process we forget the beautiful journey that must be enjoyed along the way and to enjoy the journey to success one must spend time taking breaks and pursuing hobbies these much needed breaks over the weekend or at the end of the day daily increases the productivity of every individual massively so here is what i do for my break i love to sing and i love to perform in front of an audience thank you for being my audience as i perform my song for you
This is just a home recording from my phone. Each time I cling to your kiss, I hear music divine. Hold me, my darling, and say that you're always be mine. Joy is something new, my arms enfolding you, never knew this thrill before, whoever thought I'd be holding you close to me, whispering it's you I adore, dearest one, if you should leave me. If you would like to be a successful entrepreneur, 
then I would like to invite you to join my community. Contact me through my website under the name of Kamalini Roy. That is K-A-M-A-L-I-N-I-R-O-Y dot com. Kamalini Roy. I will repeat that for you. K-A-M-A-L-I-N-I-R-O-Y dot com. You can also choose to continue learning for free through all the valuable content I put out in my YouTube channel under my name, Kamalini Roy. If you have enjoyed my podcast, please do put out a review on Apple Podcast. I look forward to personally reading your comments and reviews. I would also like to invite you to share your questions and challenges with me so that I can address them and help you with solutions through my podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for listening to Successful Entrepreneurs Podcast by Kamalini Roy. Just hit that subscribe button and see you at my next episode.